back to episode two, Monsters and Creeps. In this episode, I'm going to have a good friend of mine, Monster Matt Patterson on, and he and I are going to talk about Marvel's adaptation of The Monster of Frankenstein, issue number one. It's one of the big three from the horror craze in the Bronze Age for Marvel, and he and I had a really great time talking about it. So stay tuned, and right after this quick break, we'll jump right into the issue. Welcome to the Bronze Age of Horror Comics, Episode 2. Uh, I'm your host, Billy D, and I'm here with a co-host that I've known for quite some time now, but this is actually the first time you and I are getting to actually, you know, interact together other than social media and talk together, so this is pretty cool. I'm here talking with a good buddy of mine, Monster Matt Patterson. How are you, buddy? Hey, we finally meet face-to-face -face or something like that. Phone-to-phone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you and I have been friends for quite a few years now, and you know we're both into horror and monsters and all that kind of cool stuff. You know, both monster kids and stuff like that. So Absolutely. there was always, and it's it's been uh, well. What do we get for our anniversary? I don't know what to do here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if anybody's listening in, you can uh -huh. hear uh, we're on we're on location here. Uh, I, I'm in yeah. my uh, the crypt here, but you're heading to Frankenstein's castle in your car. <laughs> yes. So the reason we're mentioning Frankenstein Castle is because we're going to be talking about Monster Frankenstein number one from 1973. So, you know, one of the big three <laughs> Marvel horror comics that sprung up there in the early 70s. It was, you know, Tomb of Dracula, then Werewolf by Night and Monster Frankenstein. Those were the big three, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I can I can picture the comic. I can picture in my my uh, memory banks how it smelled when I first, you know, picked it up. Um, and then adjacent to that would be like the power records version mm. of those, the top three you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, I just my memory when it comes to this stuff, it's quite remarkable. Now ask me, uh, you know, what time I'm supposed to take out the garbage or what night of the week. Uh, forget it. I'm totally stumped. Yeah, or ask me what I had for dinner yesterday. I have no idea, but I can tell you what yeah. year these comics came out. <laughs> I don't know why we do that, but it's a thing, right? It's not just me. It can't be. 
Nope. Yeah, this is this is a monster kid, comic book kids uh, mentality. They they remember what is the important stuff to them, which is comics and monsters. <laughs> yeah. that's all i need all i need Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so yeah this was a good one i really like this one so this one you know all the monster comics really in the early 70s there started just booming you know all the companies were putting out a ton of horror at this point uh you know we had uh, roy thomas there roy the boy thomas at marvel and he was uh, i think he's starting to be a it might have been editor-in-chief by this time or pretty close to it and uh he was you know along with lee giving the uh, push in the back getting all these books out which you know, it's awesome. I love this era of comic books. Oh, yeah. To me, that's, you know, this is our Bronze Age, but to me, it's it's kind of my golden age, if you will, you know? Mm-hmm. So many good things were coming out at that time, like you just said, and to me, there's so many um, key moments to me personally with each comic, um, and it resonates and has held my imagination captive ever since i laid eyes on any of these so mm-hmm. yeah and i mean i have uh probably about half of this run in single issues maybe even a little more than half but and i think i even have the first few but they're like reprints that came out like maybe the early 90s or something like that but marvel oh, okay. they came out yeah marvel came out with a really thick trade maybe in like 2015 or something like that and it's over 500 pages it's almost like those epic collections they have now. Do you know about those? Yeah, in fact, that's what I currently have. Um, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of uh, the series in single issues. So uh, right now, that uh, that volume is what I'm using. Mm-hmm. Um, and it jumped from the uh, the series to a couple other backup yeah. stories and like monsters unleashed or something like that mm-hmm. um and just kind of carried the saga along and um that's some good stuff mm. yeah it's great i i do like when the newer books because the older ones usually what they would do is they would put you know the series proper in the beginning and then the other stuff at the end but what they did with this one and a lot of them moving forward i think all of these uh, epics and these kind of collections i think they put everything in chronological order which is pretty cool so yeah you have the color stuff up until like maybe issue nine and then the black and white stuff sandwiched in there and then the color stuff finishes out in the back which again i like that personally yeah same here same here um and if they hadn't included that uh the stuff outside the series itself i don't know that i would have been aware of it you know so mm-hmm. that is really helpful to somebody who wants to read the complete thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I truly appreciate that they did that. So, Yeah, yeah, that's really awesome. And, hey, well, great creative team here uh, to start this issue out. You know, we have uh, Gary Friedrich was the writer, and I think it was, you know, edited and even maybe partially plotted by Roy Thomas. But I always think of Ghost Rider when I see Gary Friedrich's name. That's always what comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> always uh, fl- gravitate to that. And then artist Mike Plug. And I mean, you know, if you know Bronze Age horror comics, especially the Marvel side, you know Mike Plug. He's just, he was like one of the guys there for quite a few years. Yeah, and just um, the cover itself of issue number one, mm. just those glowing yellow eyes on Frankenstein's monster. You don't need anything else. Just those two glowing eyes, and it's like, damn that captivates you 
and grips you and just it'll even haunt you. Like if you have that on display on your shelf or whatever, those glowing eyes will follow you around the dang room. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great cover. You know, it has the, the monster in the background as he's uh, busting out from his uh, straps that were holding him down to the table and looks like he's ready to uh, rip the, the good doctor's head off and he's at his uh, uh, chemistry set here at a, at a table with some chemicals yeah. spilling all over because he's uh, getting frightened by the, the monster waking up. And I like how Mike Plug's name is on the one beaker there. It just says Plug on the one beaker. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Nice touch. Nice touch. And, you know, I think he got that chemistry set from Mattel or, or uh, Kenner or something like that. <laughs> yeah, one of those advertisements from <laughs> comics back in the day. <laughs> yeah, mailing a bunch of stamps or box tops. And there you mm-hmm. go, kid. Yep. And then, you know, what they were trying to do with these first, I think it's the first three issues, is basically tell Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, you know, uh, obviously in a bit of a condensed uh, uh, way here, but that's what they were trying to get across here in the first three issues of this series, which I thought was really cool too. And then, you know, it slowly started creeping in a different direction, but uh, I did like that quite a bit about this first issue. And like I said, the next couple as well, but yeah, wow. Yeah. This first one, man, the splash page is great. All the artwork in it is great. And man, oh, I forgot yeah. to mention too, John Costanza was the letterer in this one as well, but I think Plug, either he did all the art wholesale or he at least did the pencils and inks. There's no credit for a colorist on this issue. I think in the okay. next issue, uh, yeah, I think in the next issue they call, uh, they give uh, credit to uh, Dave Hunt, and he did a lot of work in the Bronze and Copper Ages there too for Marvel and DC. But yeah, I don't know, maybe he did it all on this one. But yeah, great stuff in here. Yeah, um, like you just said, and let me recap um, how they stuck really close to Mary Shelley's source material. I thought mm-hmm. it was a great touch. And then, like you said, they veered off in different directions, and they certainly uh, took you places you didn't think you'd go, mm-hmm. um, especially in that two- or three-issue arc um, with Dracula and stuff like mm. that. Oh, wow. Buscema's art in there. Ooh. And I know we're, we're supposed to be talking about issue one, but I have to mention that story arc. That was just too good, you know? Yeah, that was a really good three-parter. That was, I think, one of the one or two of those issues were the first ones I actually bought from this series. And when I opened it up and saw his artwork, I was like, wow. And I mean, it is a pretty decent contrast compared to Plug. You know, they both have different styles for sure, but oh, yeah, you know, yeah. they're they're both great. You know, I mean, either either way, I'll take either one of them. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Um there's in that three issue arc, um, where he meets Dracula, there's just one panel. It almost looks like Frankenstein's monster is going to actually leap off the page uh, with the angle that he's drawn and the perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's just one panel on one page. It's not a splash page, but you you get the sense of the motion and the energy that he's putting out. It's like, oh my God, it looks like he's going to just leap right up and grab a hold of your, you know, shirt collar and give you what for, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good. That's, you know, these first few issues with Plug and those three, uh, three issues there, like you're talking about that storyline, they're my favorite parts and probably everybody's highlighted the series, you know, the color series for sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, they're great. They're great stuff. Well, all right. Well, I'll jump into a little quick synopsis here about the first issue. And then, you know, we can, you know, get a little more specific about our likes and dislikes from that one. uh, If you're ready to roll here. Yes, please. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
All right, so the issue begins with an expedition in the Arctic. We see Robert Walton IV and some seedy characters marching their way to a mountainside. Once there, Walton finds what he's been looking for, the Frankenstein monster who is entombed in ice. Eventually, Walton and his crew take the frozen creature back to the ship. But before they get sailing, he stops and tells a boy that's also aboard this ship about the story behind this frozen monstrosity. And as he's in the middle of telling the story, a crazy, powerful storm moves in, and Walton almost dies in the ensuing chaos and accident. But then we then see the hand of the monster beginning to move. So, all right, well, this is a pretty good one here. So what did you think of how they had the bookends of, you know, the expedition and then the part in the ship versus the part in the middle where it was the flashback to the, you know, more like the Mary Shelley story? Uh, I liked it, and it gave me nightmares as a kid. You know, even though I'm into the stuff, it still had that nightmare fuel power. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and it it kind of reminded me of Frankenstein, the true story. Um, mm-hmm. That uh, made for mo- uh, made for TV, TV movie. Yeah. yeah. And. It kind of resembled that, kind of made me think of that um, when they're having their showdown at the end and the Arctic and all that. And, um, yeah, it just, there was so much going on there. Mm-hmm. And, my God, I now I want to go and read it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite bits was, you know, when the captain, uh, Walton, starts to tell the young boy that's aboard, you know, about the story behind this uh, creature in ice. You know, it's, a, it's a, like a, a third of the page, this panel, and there's a ton of dialogue, but in between the dialogue, you know, is he's standing there with this cup of coffee in his hand, and there's the boy, and Plug has such detail in everything going on here, and then, you know, the scene starts to shift to, you know, back when uh, uh, Frankenstein was uh, leaving uh, home to go to college to learn uh, more stuff, and it, they a couple of times remarked about, and you did too, about the cover, even how, you know, the creature has these glowing kind of yellow eyes and the scene starts to, you know, turn yellow as he's telling the story and it begins. I love that touch. Yeah, that's a nice little trick and uh, it works. I mean, you can see why they did it and Mm -hmm. it's so effective. Um, Yeah, again, I want to go and read this all over again. (laughs) Yeah, it's it doesn't get old. It's it's one you can read multiple times, and it's not like it gets old or any stale or anything like that. But I did right. also think that you know the part here where they're telling you know the you know scenes from the actual novel, they reminded me a lot of uh, Hammer's version of uh, Frankenstein, Curse of Frankenstein, a movie I just talked about not too long ago on uh, on my other show. It was it really reminded oh, me of yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And that's. That's another classic. Oh, my God. Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. Mm. Yeah. That yeah, that's good. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, now I, uh, two things to do later today. Reread the volume <laughs> of Monster <laughs> of Frankenstein and watch Curse of Frankenstein again. Mm. Yeah, that's I a classic. <laughs> That's a classic. And like I said, this really, you know, reminded me of that movie a lot, which came out uh, about 15 years, 16 years before this comic. So I don't know, maybe there was some inspiration drawn from that with, you know, some of the artwork and story with Friedrich and Plug here. It's a possibility. I mean, 
I'm sure they were uh, horror fans. Oh, yeah. And the, uh, as you know, Bill, like, Hammer always has, like, the best costuming and the best mm-hmm. set designs. Um, so you're probably not far off the beam with what you just said. Um, mm-hmm. I could see that totally being an influence. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't know if there was any other things that they could have looked at as source material uh, leading up to them putting out this series. Um I don't think it would reflect on the Karloff movies as much as, like you said, the hammer. Um, I could see that totally being a parallel, but yeah. oh my God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, because I mean, there's a couple of scenes that like are almost like to me directly right out of that movie. Like when the creature, you know, you know, comes off the table and starts to come after the doctor, you know, he picks up a chair and hits the monster with it. You know, and in yeah. the, the, the Hammer film, it kind of knocks him out because he hits him over the head with it. But in this one, he, he just swings a chair and hits him in the side with it, and it kind of slows him down for a minute, but uh, not for very long. And that, that scene was one of them that really jumped out at me, like, oh, that seems like it's really that. And then, you know, a couple of people that got killed in there, it, it kind of reminded me of it, too, because they used, you know, some of the same names as well. You know, like uh, they say about uh, the one girl, Justine, <laughs> that ends up getting hung. And that was something. Oh I yeah, to take the yeah. blame for yeah, yeah. Yeah, like this this creature is it, very intelligent. It's not like uh, you know lumbering around. It's it's very intelligent. That it basically ended up, you know, in this uh, version, killing uh, Victor Frankenstein's brother, um, and then you know, uh, placing some evidence yeah. on uh, Justine. And I don't know. They don't say Justine's the maid. I don't think like she is in the uh, <laughs> in the Hammer film, but. Um, she she he gets you know the somehow the monster kind of pinned this murder on her and then we see her get hung later and it's it's pretty nasty they show it and everything yeah that's right i i forgot about the brother as being a victim as well because they again if you go back to the karloff universal movies there's no brother mention uh Mm -hmm. they don't mention justine or any maid or anything like that but yeah in the hammer one they do um and i Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think if they do in the true story version, but yeah, he's a devilish thing, isn't he? Yeah. Like it, it's not, it, it is some similarities to these, you know, especially the hammer movie, I feel like, and, and, and does some other different things too. And that was the one thing that really stood out to me. I'm like, Oh wow. So this monster is not just, you know, a lumbering, you know, you know, pea brain and actually, you know, commits a murder, isn't seen committing the murder and then pins it on some poor woman that lives there too and like i said i don't know that it ever says what her role is there but you know like i said in the hammer film the justine she was the maid that ended up uh finding out the what's going on with the monster and uh peter cushing's character uh, uh took care of her <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it's some great scenes here and then you know we get uh victor uh thinking like he's got to hunt this monster down because he sees his face in the window uh walking by kind of as he's talking to his father and uh, he uh, goes to trying to hunt him down and he's out in the woods, you know, hunting him down and he's in a cave and he's got a fire cooking. And then the monster comes in and finds him in the cave and uh, he kind of burns him. And, you know, it's it's really cool as, you know, it seems like uh, the monster's got a hold of Victor. He's just getting ready to kill him. But then that's right. when we cut. Yeah, we cut back to the ship and, you know, the, the one of the deckhands comes in and says, you know, oh, hey, the storm's hitting and it's really bad, you know, and this and that. And, it's it's a really good scene. Like Plug does a great great job of uh, you know this showing this storm and the ship and the wind blowing and everything. It's really cool. Absolutely, um, and it's 
so fascinating how they jump. You know, I don't want if, if bleh, sorry if you want to call it a time jump or what they're doing from scene to scene and the blending and their memories and everything. And it's like, oh my god, you know, you you get so involved in it and reading it as a kid, it's like. I just remember thinking, you know, he could be out there, you know, mm-hmm. as, as a little kid, we lived right next to a river up by, up by us. And, uh, there was a lot of woods around and it's like, you know, reading this comic or watching <laughs> this movie or that movie, it's like, yeah, there might be something out there, you know, um, mm-hmm. or something in the basement. You never know, mm-hmm. but. I'm always amazed, um, even now, uh, as a full grown man, um, (laughs) (laughs) it's like this stuff didn't really leave any scars. You know what I mean? There was some really gruesome stuff. Like you're talking about a monster being so slick of mind to, uh, have the wherewithal to pin a murder on somebody else so he could keep doing stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And and just trudging through the countryside and whatever, and he's devious, and like it didn't really like bother us as kids. We just read it, absorbed mm-hmm. it for the fantasy that it was, <laughs> and then went on to like ride bikes or whatever, you know. Like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, for real, yeah. And I forgot to mention too that you know, getting towards the end there, then when this uh, crazy storm hits the ship. Uh, one of the crew members and they made mention of them earlier, almost like it was a bunch of like, you know, CD characters and crooks and stuff like that, that this guy hired to be his crew, which I don't know that that's ever a good idea. Uh, but you know, that's <laughs> the one, the one guy grabs that little kid. He's telling this story to him, has a pistol and he's like, Hey, we're going to chuck the, uh, frozen monster overboard or I'm going to shoot this kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty wild. But you know, then the one mast gives way. And falls down on a bunch of them, and even the captain there. And you know, we see the ship getting you know tossed around in the sea, and it's again really good artwork by Plue. But then the, the creature, you know, who's in this frozen block of ice, he must have been down in the same cabin where the you know captain was. And of course, the you know the seas chucking the boat around, and it causes the block of ice, you know, and the the creature to get near this uh, hot stove, and it starts to melt this big block of ice. And I love how it's like. You know, Plug does this effect where it's like a small circle around the hand that's kind of like sticking out now because the ice melted and it gets larger and larger and it's in like four circles and gets so large. And then all of a sudden you see, you know, the hand that was open then make a fist. And that's really cool. Yeah, I like how, yeah. how Plug did that. That was awesome. It scared the hell out of me. <laughs> Again, <laughs> as a kid, you know, I, I, I think um, oh, the first time I probably laid eyes on this was uh, through the Power Records version way mm. before I actually, you know, had the comic. But it's essentially the same thing, you yeah. know, the, the book and record sets. And uh, and hearing that stuff was even worse, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, not much left to the imagination when there's a growling actor, you know, portraying a monster and, you know, and again, living by the river, and it's like, yeah, you know, <laughs> makes you a little faint as a kid. So, mm-hmm. but in a good way, in a good way. Yeah, for sure. And you know, one thing I felt I found that was interesting when I got done reading this, 
I just thought to myself, I, I think I enjoyed the bookend scenes of the, you know, expedition and all this, you know, craziness on the ship. I think I might have enjoyed them just as much as, you know, the the meat of the story in the middle where they're talking about, you know, how the monster was made and, you know, started killing people and stuff like that. I don't know I, how you feel, but I, I, I thought, oh, that's interesting. I, usually I would just go for the part in the middle, you know, where it's the monster and all that. But this this is really riveting stuff on the bookends here. Yeah, um, I'm kind of the same. I'll I'll just kind of breeze through the bookend stuff and get to the the heart of the matter. Um, but it was so well done. Mm-hmm. And again, it mirrored in a lot of ways the true story Frankenstein because that had a big impact on me as a kid and still does yeah. today. Um, so there's there's a lot of things that resembled each other there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it resonated with me uh, quite a bit. So that the whole portrayal, like you're saying, the scurvy dogs on the ship and everything. It's like, man, I, I you could just place yourself there in your imagination and be like, oh, my God, what was that like? And you can kind of piece it together, much like a monster, you know. And, mm-hmm. um, oh, my God, just the, the things that could happen and everything. Oh, boy. Did mm-hmm. I mention earlier that I need to go reread this again? <laughs> Yeah, the crew, man, they were pretty crazy. I mean, at first they just seemed like a bunch of dudes that are going to do whatever they're told. But, you know, when things start to get a little crazy here, uh, when they first, you know, find the monster to block of ice, like they're like really pissed off. And uh, the captain has one loyal person and it's like a like an Inuit uh, guy. I can't remember what his name is, but he uh, he's loyal to the captain. And like I said, all these other guys are just a bunch of hired thugs, basically. And, you know, they're like, hey, we need to. uh get this monster out of here. Like we need to get rid of him and destroy it. And the Inuit guy's like, no, you can't do that. You know, the captain's, you know, that's his, you know, quarry or whatever. And yeah. they hit the guy, it hit the guy over the head with a gun. And then a guy has a pickaxe and he's ready to stab the guy with like slam the pickaxe into this poor guy. Who's half knocked out. <laughs> it's like, Whoa. And then the captain shows up with a pistol and stop you fool. And blam. And he shoots the guy for center mass. So that guy's dead. And one other guy's like got these big eyes like, uh oh, I hope he doesn't shoot me. You know what I mean? I love that part. <laughs> and again, it's like, you know, we were kids reading that yeah. stuff and it didn't really phase us, you know. <laughs> we knew it was fantasy, we knew it was a story. Mm-hmm. Um and then afterward, like I said, we probably hopped on our bikes or big wheels or whatever and mm-hmm. took off and that was it. Yeah, I don't ever remember reading a comic or watching a movie when I was a kid and like being adversely affected by it. It was just like, whoa, yeah, he just took that bad guy out. You know what I mean? It kind of was just like, yeah. that's, you know, that's that's what had to happen right then and there. And it made sense in the story. So I was like, yep, I'm cool with it. All right. On to the next yeah, page. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was pretty wild. You know, like you're saying, like, you're a little kid. You're reading this, you know, what, 20 cents for a comic. And you put down your 20 cents and you get home and you read about this monster killing people and then that guy shoots somebody and somebody with a pickaxe trying to kill somebody else. It's pretty wild <laughs> stuff, man, for a, you know, a kid to be reading, but, <laughs> mm, but yeah, I love it, man. And like I said, Plug can't say enough about him, but I do feel like, uh, Gary Friedrich, like I said, I don't, maybe I don't give him enough credit because, uh, I, I don't 
in my mind when I think of, you know, really good writers or writers that wrote stories that I loved or think are really fun and entertaining. He's not one of the first names that come to mind, but I think I might have to change that, you know, rearrange my brain cells here to think, yeah, he is really up there. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, this, and like uh, I said, Ghost Rider, this is great stuff. Yeah. There's so much that he put out and is just amazing. His writing mm -hmm. style and everything. And I would read anything that he put out, even today, you know. Is he still around? Mm -hmm. I don't know. No, he passed away a few years ago, I think. Yeah. Okay. He, not, not, not too terribly long ago. Like I think within the last 10 years, maybe he passed away. I think, heck, I think it's less than five years he passed away. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's it's like I said, I think I, I might need to put him up there because this is great stuff. And I, I'm pretty sure he writes it up until like maybe issue 10 or 11 or 12, somewhere in there. And then I think Doug Mensch takes over. But, you know, he writes that cool Dracula story that we were talking about, that three issue story, too. So there you oh, go. Man, that like uh, if that's a if good there one. There was nothing else other than the first three issues of the series and that arc. And everything else just fell to the wayside. I'd still be happy with that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, that three-issue arc with the gypsy, the old mm -hmm. lady, and the young woman, and Dracula, and Frankenstein—like, oh my god, just so much going on there. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, the, oh boy. I don't even know where to, to start on that. There's there's so much I want to dive right into and just go back and read those three over and over and just inspect every panel. And mm -hmm. same thing with the first three issues, because every panel is a masterpiece in those six issues. Yeah. Um, Plug stuff and John Buscema, or however you pronounce it, mm -hmm. um, Big John, those mm -hmm. panels and those pages are dynamite. And if I had the uh, the money, like Elon Musk does, to go buy those, <laughs> I yeah. would totally, I would purchase every single one. They're gold. Yeah, but that's just yeah. me. That's just me. Yeah, they are. I mean, and like you said, the black and white stories are awesome too. Now they're a little wild as far as like what happens in them, and you know they don't really. There's not really any stories that, to my knowledge, that I remember from reading that really continue from one issue or one story to the next or anything like that. They're almost just like little one-offs that are pretty wild. And, you know, again, yeah. those those stories. And then even afterwards, you get some Val Merrick artwork, too. And I really like him quite a bit, too. Right. Yeah. The um, There was a, um, a story with a large hunchback creature that fought the Frankenstein monster mm -hmm. and that was something. And then uh, a descendant of Frankenstein pops up and <laughs> yeah. he wants to, he's wearing like a, a fedora and a trench coat. And like, Hey man, it doesn't seem to fit the period, but, uh, <laughs> but then they kind of jump forward into the future as the creature is able to withstand and just carry on forever. Um, so yeah, that was interesting. Um, yeah, they, they did some weird little twists and turns with each issue and kind of left you going, well, okay. But the foundation of those first three and that middle three that we're talking about, just wow. 
you could just build everything on top of that. Yeah, those those plug issues and like you said, the John Buscema and the uh, I think it's like I said, I think it's still Gary Friedrich writing too at that point. So it's almost like the first like nine issues are really really strong, and then the stuff after that's okay too. It's fun, but it's just not as it doesn't blow your mind as much as those first nine do. And, and again, not against nothing against Val Mayerick because I think it changed. So like I said, Doug Mensch, and then I think they had uh, Bill Mantlo do a few at the end too. So it kind of jumped around from creators a little bit too. Not the same, you know, vision behind it maybe. No, you're right. And um, by the time, okay, you said 20 cents for that first issue. <laughs> by the time the series ended, was it around 30 or 35 cents probably or yeah, probably 35, I'm thinking, because they, they really did, or at least 30. That's what I'm thinking, at least 30 cents. Yeah. Yeah, I think. And then, yeah, because then I, in the trade, they have those, uh, there's a crazy two-part story in Marvel Team Up, and, you know, I, I did talk about that uh, that story uh, for a Halloween on uh, another show I used to be on, Into the Weird. We talked about that for one Halloween show, because there's a, a two-part. Oh, where he teams up with uh, Spider-Man? That <laughs> yeah, Spider-Man, yeah. Werewolf then- by Night. <laughs> Yeah, and then he pops up in the Avengers, like, wait, what? Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. He just kept popping up everywhere. Here's a here's a weird factoid, and I, I don't know if anybody else picked up on this. In the beginning of the series, the Frankenstein's monster, Frankenstein, yeah, Frankenstein's monster, his hair is black, and you go mm-hmm. issue one, issue two, issue three. For sure, he's got black hair. And now, I, I don't know about four, but it starts to change in the following issues. His hair is like brownish red. Red, yeah. He must have went to the salon. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, wait, what? And is he a TikTok influencer? I don't know. You know, he just he went crazy with it. And I don't know why they decided to do that. But then every so often he'd pop up with dark black hair again, like mm-hmm. in one of the one-off issues later on. But for the majority of that series, other than the first couple issues, his hair is brown red. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why they made that decision or, um, or how they got there with that decision, but it was just, yeah, how strange, you know? And, and the first, <laughs> The first issue, the cover, he's in his bandages, and then he's got the the yak hair vest and the, uh, <laughs> the yeah. turtleneck and the pants with the uh, <laughs> uh, the wrapped up boots. I don't know what you call that. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost like a Native like, American. <laughs> yeah, or like Roman soldier boots yeah. or something like that. And it's like, yeah, you know, I could see where his look was evolving. But it's like, man, they made some interesting choices. Like he's got that purple shirt and the blue pants, or he's got the uh, like the green shirt and the brown pants. Like, man, I, where is he getting his clothes? <laughs> yeah, he's like, must be like uh, knocking uh, some uh, hobos out because uh, he's on the train in a couple issues to that magazine. <laughs> meets up with some hobos so maybe he's stealing their clothes but yeah it looks like on a lot of the covers it seems or i shouldn't say a lot but some of the covers his hair is jet black but then you open it up and inside it's that reddish brown (laughs) yeah so somebody made that decision somebody made that call 
and I'm I'm fine with it. You know, either way works for me. I'm just curious as to huh, what prompted that, and you know, was there any feedback in the letters columns, or you know, uh, or when he jumps to the other series like Marvel Team Up and the Avengers, his hair's blue black. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty wild. But yeah, this trade, like I said, over 500 pages. It's awesome. And it's, it collects uh, the Frankenstein series, the color series, one through 18, giant size werewolf number two, Marvel team up 36 and 37. And then uh, it says plus material from Monsters Unleashed two, four through 10 and Legion of Monsters number one. And it just it doesn't reprint those whole the whole magazine, just the Frankenstein stories right. from those magazines. But that's still awesome because, again, they're crazy there. It'll show you the cover. And then it'll, it'll show you the crazy story. They're wild stories, but they're really good. And, you know, Val Merrick artwork, especially in black and white. I really love his artwork. And that's what those are. Those are black and white stories. Yeah. Yeah, those yeah. are great. Um, that whole volume is is something to behold. Um, and if you were collecting it issue by issue, it's like, you know, you go to comic book shows or whatever or eBay and you might – find a couple of good deals but then they're going to get zapped on you know issue number ones mm-hmm. no um, and certainly the Busema art that isn't necessarily cheap mm-hmm. um, but every now and then you might get a nice you know respectable looking reader grade or something like that um, I don't really feel like getting a paper route to supply myself with comics anymore you know yeah for real <laughs> like i'm almost <clears throat> years old i don't need a paper route now <laughs> no no yeah those days are long gone <laughs> yeah so, all right so yeah so basically you know two thumbs up here from uh, you and i and uh, everybody you can get out and get that trade for sure i mean i think not too terribly long ago i did still see it on places like amazon and it was pretty heavily discounted too. Like I think it's a forty, thirty, yeah, forty dollar, thirty nine ninety nine. So a forty dollar trade. But I think I saw it on there for like thirty bucks. So there are still places you can buy it at a discount. It's definitely worth it. You know, like I said, five hundred pages yeah. is pretty awesome for that price. Oh yeah, and um, going back to uh, to like buying it piece by piece by piece. Um, can I tell you? Would you mind if I told you how I? came across my first ever back issue of Frankenstein's monster and the number one issue. Uh Oh <laughs> yeah. Well, where'd you find that? At? <laughs> okay. Um, this is really, I mean, it was cool to me. Okay. I was 12 and my sister and I, we were just goofing around walking through town and uh, walking to a plaza in, in the center of town, the, the center hub. And uh, she's like, oh, let's go to a flea market. I'm like, I don't know what you mean. They sell fleas? I, I really didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, not not that I was an idiot. I was just innocent, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, you didn't know what so those were like, yet. Yeah. <laughs> right. And she's like, no, 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 we'll go to a flea market. I'm like, okay. I thought she was putting me on, you know. She was my older sister. <laughs> I'm like, whatever, lead the way. So we go, and it's this um, this empty hockey rink, and it no longer functioned as a hockey rink. 
And what they did, you know, they set up vendors and stuff, and mm-hmm. there was everything that you'd expect at a flea market. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I didn't <laughs> know what this was. Yeah. I didn't know people did this. And this is um, uh, 82, 83, something like that. So she was looking for, like, concert T-shirts or I don't know, whatever, records mm-hmm. or whatever. And she's like, yeah don't bother me go hang out over there and i'm like yeah okay whatever you know i wasn't cool (laughs) so so i'm walking around i'm like i don't know what any of this stuff is and then i see this dude he's set up and now you got to remember this is a hockey rink okay he's set up in like the penalty box area of the (laughs) hockey rink and i'm like okay I, i don't know what where this is going you know 12 year old me and uh he's got all these issues of comics and there's just tons of them and they're in these long white boxes and you know i i had been reading comics ever since i was three or four so i knew what comics were i just i hadn't seen this before and he had you know these key issues that i've seen and reprints of marvel and dc or whatever and uh or their house ads and i'm like oh my god what is this stuff this is great and he had uh marvel's monster frankenstein number one and i was like oh my god i have to have this um (laughs) so i begged my sister for money and uh she paid you know and i think it was maybe five or ten dollars i'm guessing i i don't remember exactly mm-hmm. um but let's say you know five ten bucks um and it was the greatest thing i've ever seen before and to this day that fella that operated outside of the penalty box area he still has a comic shop locally and has been around for a few decades now and wow just getting that comic and you know, like I said in the beginning, the the smell of the comic, and you know what I mean, uh, old mm-hmm. comic had that certain oh, smell yeah. to it, like old books, you know, not moldy, it's just very pleasant. And mm-hmm. um, it was on a backing board and a sleeve, and I'm like, I don't know what that is either, but I'm like, I'm totally game. So <laughs> I bought that and an issue um, of Not Brand X, by Uh Marvel, their comedy series, and that was like a best of or whatever, but that Frankenstein just had me glued, oh my god, we we went home or to our grandparents nearby or whatever, and I was just thumbing through that thing over and over and over and over, and I remember my grandmother saying, you know, Matthew, you, you... you can't read in the dark. And I'm like, yeah, sure I can. I got a flashlight. No, that's not good for your eyes. Grandma, I don't care. It's Frankenstein. You know, back and forth, back and forth. And um, I just read that thing over and over and over. And man, it, it had such a grip on me. And um, that was my first ever back issue comic purchase of ever. And that was like one of the coolest moments of my comic collecting life, you know? Mm. 
that's awesome. Yeah, I love hearing stories like that when people find these <laughs> good deals on these books or just, you know, find a book that they've been trying to hunt down for a long time and they finally come on and, you know, some way, oh, wait, I was just in this crazy place and I found it. Like, I love hearing those stories. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I All had right. to share that. That was too good to, to not, you know, uncork here. <laughs> yeah, this this is the place for it. So, all right, well, why don't we transition quick here into what you do and how I know you as well. You know, we're both monster kids and all that stuff, but there's some specific things you do uh, in your uh, leisure time and your free time that uh, you might want to talk about here. So what do you have going on uh, in the uh, realm of monsters? Okay, well, uh, I'm very glad you asked. Thank you. Um, I'm an author, which I don't know mm -hmm. how that happened. Um, I What I do is my whole thing is I watch bad monster movies and good monster movies, and I make fun of them. Um, I write bad monster jokes, and I've written uh, four books. I have a fifth and sixth one coming from my publisher down in Florida, uh, Mystery and Horror, LLC. And our series of books is called Ha Ha Horror. And there's mm -hmm. Ha Ha Horror Bride of Ha Ha Horror, soon to be coming, Son of Ha Ha Horror, um, and uh, Ha Ha Horror Collector's Edition, and Bride of Ha Ha Horror Collector's Edition, mm -hmm. and I do the cartooning, I do the bad joke writing, um, and that's that's one aspect of what I do. Um mm -hmm. Then I I paint and draw uh, mm -hmm. everything you know monster related superhero related um, villains cartoons everything and I I try to draw every day I try to paint as much as possible um, and that's another aspect. <laughs> oh, wait, we're not finished yet. Hang on, hang on. Wait, there's more. Um, then I also make monster masks and I mm -hmm. sculpt and I mold, uh, cast and paint and hair. And I've been doing that on and off for quite some time. And some of my things appeared in movies, uh, low budget, like Z budget, you know, like, <laughs> like absolutely $0 budget movies. Um, some wound up on DVD and stuff like that. And uh, so that's taken me mm -hmm. in some really, really interesting avenues. And yeah. I grew up, you know, just reading comics and watching movies and watching all the cartoons and like, you know, someday I want to do something with that, but I didn't know what, I didn't know how. Um, and then it just kind of happened, um, and I got started. <laughs> this is so goofy. Uh, I had rotator cuff surgery uh, back in 2005, and in, in my recovery, they were like, hey, why don't you play with some clay if you have some clay at home, you know, Play-Doh or whatever, and build up mm -hmm. your grip strength. And I'm like, yeah, sure. So playing with Play-Doh with my kids and I started making goofy little faces and then I'm like, you know, I seem to think there's a connection here. Um, 
So I did a little research, and I'm like, so that's how they make masks. And so I thought, well, can I just apply that miniature sculpting to larger? And sure enough, it worked. Um, and then I, I made my first uh, latex mask, and I was kind of hooked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a this is addictive this stuff we're talking about here isn't it <laughs> oh you better believe it my god uh, there's so much to to uh achieve with all this stuff and so many projects i want to tackle and um and the whole long journey which isn't over yet because i'm still chugging along you know um it's brought me to some really interesting people such as yourself. Um, and I was on a podcast for over a decade called six foot plus where mm-hmm. that was all music and maybe an interview here and there. And it allowed me a platform to tell all my bad jokes. <laughs> and um, along the way we were like nominated for rewards and stuff like that. And, uh, we got mentioned in some high profile magazines and websites and things like that. And, and, uh, I started writing for a few websites and, uh, it just keeps turning into something new every day, you know, and the people that I've met, um, whether it's like social media related or in person, I've met some fantastic uh movie makers and actors and actresses and it's just man you never know what each day is going to bring you mm-hmm. yeah and you uh do some shows now and again too do you have any of those planned uh for summer coming up here well uh la, 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 la. there's some things that haven't totally uh, become concrete yet you know they're mm-hmm. kind of up in the air for dates and whatnot and mm-hmm. the pandemic certainly didn't help any of that oh yeah uh prior to that i would do you know some fairly large conventions like in canada and what have you mm-hmm. um and a lot around the uh buffalo area is where i'm from um so there's smaller shows uh, but they're picking up steam, and right now, tentatively, uh, the end of the month, there's one. It's called uh, Decepticon, mm. and that's their first try at this. Um, then there's, like, Buffalo Comic Con. I think that's in May, at the end of May, and um, some other dates waiting to fill in. Then around October when it's Halloween time and I'm a blur, (laughs) usually I'm doing like book signings and stuff and, uh, some single show stuff. Um, I'm always doing book signings. If you'll allow me to, to give a plug here to cats Mm -hmm. like us. Um, it's a men's and women's like fifties retro boutique. Um, and they spotlight some type of artist every month. And my time of the year with them is always October. Oh, that's um, great. 
and uh, Barnes and Noble, they usually have me. Um, you can usually see my ugly face in the papers around that time, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. right next yeah. to Dagwood and the comic strips. So, <laughs> yeah, you usually I see you do a lot of shows in like the southern New York area and northern PA area. A lot of the even smaller and midsize shows, too, you pop in and out of, you know, with a table with your books and stuff like that and do signings and stuff. So that's always cool, man. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you keeping an eye out, you know, and um, yeah, like like you said earlier, you and I have gone back quite a few years and it's like, man, I, I feel like you're my brother, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I got to get to one of these shows, man. (laughs) Yeah, I got to get to one of these shows, man. So maybe I can. The wife has been uh, asking me to head up to uh, the uh, Buffalo area, Niagara Falls area, because she loves lighthouses. And there's a couple up in the Buffalo area, I think. So, yeah, definitely. And we're so close to the falls. um, Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of stuff there. Um, And, you know, the Buffalo area is quite a nice place you know you you may have heard we like our chicken wings up here mm-hmm. oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah if it ain't from buffalo it's not authentic or whatever i don't know <laughs> yeah for sure but yeah that's a good spot up there but all right so if uh, anybody wants to uh, find you out there where can they look for you on like social media and stuff like that uh the best place is at twitter um, I find it very convenient, very quick, um, oh. easy interface and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. that's, that's their best place. I also have a website, monstermat.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple other places you can find me, social media, but at Twitter, I am the number one, uh, monster Matt. So it's at one monster Matt. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a, I've been, uh, I love Twitter. I know a lot of people kind of rag on it cause maybe they've had some bad experiences, but I've met so many uh, cool people on there and have such a uh, fun on there. Just talking again about monster movies and comic books and stuff like that. It's, it's a blast. Yeah. Like, like you and the circle of friends that we're both friends with, you know, mm-hmm. I go there for the entertainment value and some knowledge too. Cause like, even though I'm an avid comic reader, especially Bronze Age material and Silver Age, it's like I don't know everything about everything. I don't ever claim to. So you guys throw out some stuff that may have missed my attention, and it's always good to, like, you know, see what you're talking about. Um, you know, maybe there's a issue of this or a story arc of that I haven't come across yet, and you guys give it high praise or, or low praise. And then I need to know what it's all about. So mm-hmm. that's very invaluable. Um, and to, to kind of uh, jump in on that and be a part of that, just that makes it so much more fun. I'm not there for politicking or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't ever had a truly bad experience with Twitter um the other social media sites eh, i can take or leave but that that seems (laughs) to be my home base you know yeah me too that's 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 where i uh, have most of my fun too i just stick with that and with a a good uh, circle of friends like i said you know you and i have on there and everybody has a good time and is nice and respectful and you know knowledgeable and just cool on there so that's uh, that's kind of that's kind of my hangout and 
Yeah, so if anybody's looking for you, definitely, uh, like you said, at one Monster Matt, you know, the number one in Monster Matt, and then, or your, you know, website too. There's a lot going on there. It has, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff, videos and pics and all the stuff, your books and everything on there too. So, you know, definitely hit up the website and then uh, look for Matt on uh, Twitter and uh, give him a follow. Yes, please, please follow me. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, man. Well, I want to be you verified for... or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you want that blue check thing? How do I get that? <laughs> the blue check mark. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. <laughs> That's great. Uh, all right, man. Well, I want to thank you for coming on here. This has been a really good time, man. So uh, hopefully you and I are going to have some more uh, conversations in the future. I know we kicked around a movie uh, for my other show that we might talk about. Uh, we will keep oh, that yeah, a, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep that a secret for now. But there's a really good uh, uh, old school horror flick you and I are going to talk about hopefully in the near future. And then, you know, maybe Absolutely. even... Absolutely. Maybe even uh, talk about a couple more plug issues, and then maybe those uh, that crazy three part Dracula story. But yeah, you're you're definitely going to be uh, uh, you know heard on here again in the future, which is going to be great, man. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, absolutely! I would I would love to come back. Thank you very much, Bill. You bet, man. Thank you. So, all right, well, uh, we're gonna cut out right now here, quick, and uh, I'm gonna throw a promo in here, and then I'll be back to wrap up the show. a good scene, isn't it? One man crazy, three very sane spectators.
episode of the Tomb of Drac with Scott and then uh, I want to thank uh, everybody for tuning into this second episode and once again thank Matt for being on a uh, really good guy and you're definitely going to hear from him in the future again on this show and then on the main feed as well at Magazines and Monsters he and I are going to talk about a movie coming up pretty soon in the near future when you hear this so definitely uh, look for him there and uh, check out his stuff too real good guy like you say write some joke books and you know he makes some masks and does some sculpting really great guy so definitely check him out